Screw it, screw it, we're just just gonna gonna talk talk about Spider-Man. Welcome to Screw It, we're just gonna talk about Spider-Man. This is the podcast where we talk about the original Spider-Man comics by his creators, Steve Ditko and Stan Lee. And this is also the podcast hosted by me, Kevin Hines, and my brother, Will. And I am Will. I am the other voice you will be hearing on this podcast. And that's right, we are brothers. Don't let anybody tell you different. Yeah, we're both brothers. We're also UCB comedians. Uh, We're also human beings. That's true. We are carbon-based human beings. Yeah. And um, we are huge fans of Spider-Man and these issues. We had copies of these old issues when we were kids and we loved them and we still love them. And we find that a lot of fans of Spider-Man haven't really ever gone back and read them. And uh, we think they're totally worth it. They're, they're, they're fascinating examples of what makes the whole Spider-Man universe great. Yeah, um, we, ha- we have lots of people who are reading them for the first time along with us or people who are rereading them after not having read them in ages. And also a handful of people that have never read the comics have no plans to read them and just listen along uh, and uh, because they either find those early issues just tough to read or, or uh, just off-putting based compared to current comics and they find this sort of an easier way to uh, basically feel like they've read those comics. I love um, the idea of somebody just unable to read it. Yeah. Just yeah. As, as if it was Shakespeare being like, wow, what's going on here? You know, what is this? Uh, I mean, Stanley is uh, comic books Shakespeare, a lot of people say. <laughs> I mean, I um, think Stan maybe says that. <laughs> I think Stan has said that. Yes. <laughs> Stanley is not short of confidence. Uh, um, so uh, this, this episode, we're going over uh, what's called the annual number two. Uh, Kevin, why don't you say what an annual is? So uh, Spider-Man comes out every month. So there's 12 issues a year. And then there's also an additional issue once a year that's an annual. Um, mm-hmm. There was one last year, 1964, that covered Spider-Man facing the Sinister Six, which was a supervillain group put together by Dr. Octopus of all Spider-Man's fiercest foes. It had lots yep. of cool backup features, like how they make the comics and pinups. Uh, it was jam-packed full of Steve Ditko and Stanley goodness. This issue is Spider-Man meeting up with Doctor Strange, who's Steve Ditko's other creation, big creation from Marvel. But then the rest of the issue is mostly just reprint. Right, which we won't go over in this episode. Yeah, and uh, I think that they put those reprints in there because at this time there was no comic book shops, there's no comicsology, there's no collected editions. So if you wanted to reread these old stories, you had to get a reprint of it somehow. Yeah, this is, you know, this is, uh, we're like three years since Spider-Man started being published. So he's become enormously popular. Lots of new fans wouldn't have read the original stories. Yeah, so they, a reprint of them actually would be pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and this is a, and just, this is really cool because uh, it's the first time Spider-Man and Doctor Strange have really teamed up. Uh, they had like a one panel cameo in the first annual, but that's yeah. basically it. And it's really cool to see Steve Ditko get to do both his things at the same time. Yeah. And just to go over it for people who maybe who are listening to this for their first episode, uh, Spider-Man was done by two guys. Uh, Steve Ditko was the artist and Stan Lee was the writer. But that collaboration was very blurry. Like um, Ditko did way more than just draw the pictures. He certainly did all the visual design. He usually came up with the characters. He did the plot. Uh, and and he did more and more as the series went on. So by the time, at the, at the time of this issue, he's doing most of it. And Stan Lee is sort of just doing the speech bullets. Yeah. I mean, there's a chance that Stan Lee asked him to do 
or somebody said he should do an annual with uh, Doctor Strange. That's probably all that yeah. was said at this point. Yeah, Stan Lee's sort of an editor and then balloon writer, a dialogue writer. You know, he might he might approve the log line for the issue or something. But And also, Ditko and Lee didn't like each other. Or it, it's unclear because Steve Ditko would never give interviews. But Ditko was having complaints about Marvel as a company, at least. And so he was not communicating well. And maybe Stan Lee wasn't communicating well or whatever. I am almost done with an episode of a podcast called uh, the Spider-Man podcast or the Amazing Spider Talk, I think it's what the podcast is called. And this mm-hmm. is a podcast episode they did, I mean, over a year ago, I think. Um, and it's called Ditko Shrug, where they, and this is before Ditko had passed. And they interviewed yes. a guy named Dan Gavosden, as well as an artist uh, that we both like, Ron Friend. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, oh, no, wait. Uh, Dan Gavosden is one of the hosts. Dan Gavosden and Mark Ganoccio. And okay. they talked to Nick Caputo, who's like a sort of a Ditko fan uh, expert. Okay. And, uh, when they talk to him, he's interesting. He thinks that the biggest, basically when, from what he said, he doesn't know obviously what happened either, but he thinks that Steve Ditko uh, took, was like time consuming for Stanley and would like want to sit down with Stan and go over issues panel oh. by panel. And oh. maybe it was also probably tough to deal with. And so Stan was giving him less and less time and maybe trying to avoid him oh, to, so he could write all his other comic books. And oh, then wow. Steve Ditko didn't like that. And so basically it was like, you know, that sort of kicked off sort of this rift between them, sort of Stanley pushing a Ditko away. Now, I don't know if that's oh, wow. true, but it's an interesting way to think about it. And he thinks yeah. the last issue that Stan really had much input in was the Human Torch Beetle issue because Steve Ditko hated guest stars. He didn't oh, like having uh, other characters in, which is why I think maybe Stanley asked him to do this Doctor Strange issue. Yeah. Uh, or somehow got that message to him. Yeah, because it's a guest star that he might want to do because it's his other creation. Yeah, so that, that's an interesting thing to think about too. So it, w- it wouldn't have been about, I mean, money and, and credit and all that stuff is probably important to him as well. Yeah. But it might have just been like, it might really just be Steve Ditko eventually quit because Stan wouldn't talk to him and he didn't want to work with somebody that wouldn't talk to him. Yeah. Man, I, w- I wish we could. I wish we could know the answer, which yeah. we probably never will. Anyway, it's a really um, interesting episode. It's their first. It's from their first season of that podcast, The Amazing Spider Talk, and it's called Ditko Shrugged. Um, I have to look it up. That sounds cool, and it's really good. Now I'm starting to look at this Nick Caputo guy's blog and read some of his stuff. And talks a lot about Ditko on it, but uh, I haven't oh, done okay. that yet. I have to read it. Yeah, we'll learn all about Ditko just in time to finish our yeah podcast. If we remember his issues, I'll finally be ready um, to do this podcast when we're done recording the last episode. You know, I, I have this other podcast that's a Beatles podcast, and when I started it, I just threw myself into it. I was like, we're just going to talk about all the albums, and I got some friends together, and I'm a huge fan, and I do I I know a lot about the Beatles, but I didn't. There was lots I didn't know, and by the end of doing every album, I was like, you know what? Now I'm ready to do it. <laughs> yeah, these podcasts you are of, great you start- ways to learn how to do these podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, uh, like like Kevin was saying, this annual that we're about to go over um, features Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. And Doctor Strange is the other big character that Steve did go created with at Marvel. And of course, we all know Doctor Strange. And uh, and this is their main yeah intersection done by their creator. So it's really cool. Yeah. What did you think of the issue overall? I loved it. I mean, it's a little bit of just a kind of an empty fight, but I thought the art was beautiful and I thought the dialogue was truly funny. Um, the last couple of issues of the regular series have been a little off and I thought this was like a very good standard fight. You know what I mean? There's not that big emotional punch of the really, truly great spider issues. Yeah, this the, to me was like a well-executed adventure. There's no Peter Parker really. Yeah. Um, in his, in his supporting cast, it's really just super heroics. 
Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's true. That's 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 what it is. Um, yeah, that's what I meant to say. Uh, but it's great. It's really fun. I agree. It was. A, it's a really fun read, and it does feel like perfect for an annual where it's like it doesn't really. It could sort of slot in anywhere. It, this could have happened at any time. Yeah, yeah it doesn't impact the regular continuity. Um, should we do our other segments real quick? What's going on in Marvel at this time when this I is mean, published? It's an annual, so it's hard to say. Uh, so I'd say nothing. Okay. And do we have any Spider-Man or podcast news? Um, I don't think we do. Other than I went to a musical this past. Past weekend or past week uh, based on Spider-Man. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, it was called uh, Peter Who. <laughs> and um, it was made, I think it was originally made. I don't know if it had this, I think it probably had a different title at this time. I should have done more research. Um, but uh, it was it was done by uh, this guy, John Ruffiel. Um, I don't know okay. that well. And um, hold on, I'm pulling up a page so I have more information for you. Uh, okay. But it was done at the Pit, I think, or maybe the Magnet, which is an improv theater. Uh, Justin Moran, do you know that guy? I know. That yes, guy? yes. So I think he made this musical basically when Turn Off the Dark was on Broadway. And okay. Turn Off the Dark was the Spider-Man Broadway show that was terrible, and everyone like died making it. Um, <laughs> okay, and, right. And he was, and he like saw it, and he was like, "Why do they get this so wrong? I'm gonna make my own for like no money." And he kind of oh, put together it was sort of like a comedy musical of Spider-Man and recorded it as a video. And I remember watching it online. I didn't go see it on stage. And I was like, oh, there's some parts of this that are really great. And it's funny and it's cute. Uh, and I think they sort of redid it a lot and put it as part of a, a festival. Oh, wow. And uh, our mutual friend, Sean Taylor, ran into me on the street and said, you should go see this. Go with me to see it. So I did. Uh, All right. And it's basically the origin of Spider-Man. He becomes Spider-Man on stage. We see him get bit, um, fights the chameleon at the end. But I would say most of the most of the musical is really about him dealing with Flash Thompson. Interesting. And, uh, and I'm going to make this claim about this musical, Peter Who. It's the best Flash Thompson I've seen outside of the comics. Wow. It's way better than any Flash Thompson we've gotten in the movies. Uh, or the cartoons really because by folk you can't focus on Flash Thompson in the movies because he's not a real supervillain threat but in yeah. this sort of comedic musical he can take center stage and be like Peter's biggest problem and it doesn't feel crazy um, and it's really really fun it's called Peter Who because Flash Thompson whenever he sees Peter throughout the musical goes Peter Who uh, doesn't <laughs> ever remember Peter Parker from scene to scene oh, uh, Gwen Stacy is the love interest in this uh, but Gwen Stacy, uh, Flash Thompson asks Gwen out, and Peter's, of course, heartbroken by this. Uh, Betty Brant is a character who is just basically uh, falls in love with Peter when he goes to the bugle and tries to get him to date her, but he won't because I think she's older <laughs> and crazy. Um, uh, uh, but Flash Thompson's just like an egomaniac throughout this musical. He sings a song about being caught up in a hurricane flash, where <laughs> uh, he just like sings his name a lot. And it's very, very funny when everyone goes to see Peter after his uncle Ben dies. A flash kind of doesn't know why they're there. And they mentioned that his uncle Ben died at this like, like because he got shot by this crook. And he's like, oh, just like that Parker guy in the news. Like doesn't quite put it together. That this is where he is. And it's a uh, Flash Thompson is very, the whole thing is very funny. But I realized watching it that I've never seen like a great Flash Thompson. He's a little sillier, obviously, than the comic yeah. book Flash we see. Right. Um, but he is the arrogance and obnoxiousness uh, of him is captured in it really well. Oh, cool. And, and I love the idea of some. And the chameleon okay. was a fun villain for it too, because it's sort of, it's a very low tech show. So it's an easy thing to sort of replicate on stage. Yes. I remember one of his main abilities is having a vest, but a lot of pockets and masks. 
Yeah. I mean, mostly there's just a scene where like the guy playing the chameleon like spins around and another actor comes out to show who he had been earlier in the show. That's Um, pretty fun. That's smart. And there's a great song uh, or sequence where Peter is doing a study date with Gwen and Gwen is trying to basically say that she thinks she likes Peter now more than Flash, but he has to keep running off to fight crimes. Okay. Uh, And it's, it really feels like, oh, this feels like an old comic book. Like they're sitting on a date. His spider sense tingles. He runs off stage. It's like a split screen on the stage. A Spider-Man shows up on the other side of the bank fighting this crime, then runs off and comes back to the date. And that happens like three times. And he fights like Electro, Rhino, and uh, the Scorpion during the sequence. <laughs> Beats them all very wow. quickly to, for comedic effect, but basically misses out on Gwen expressing her true feelings for him. Oh, man, this sounds great. And there's a lot of like fun, smart sequences like that. Anyway, it was uh, really fun, and I would say check it out, but I don't know if there's a way for anyone to check it out. I love that somebody just made their own Spider-Man musical. Like, I'm very in favor of that sort of initiative. Yeah, I I don't know how permissions work on that sort of sense. I'm sure they couldn't call it Spider-Man, but in the musical itself, it's Peter Parker, it's Spider-Man, it's Aunt May. Like, they use all those names, which I'm assuming will keep it from ever getting too big. Yeah, Um, like at some point, I mean, speaking as somebody who runs afoul of intellectual property property all the time, because I do this Beatles podcast, we just play Beatle music on it. And, you know, we're not allowed to do that. Yeah. And um, uh, I don't think we're, I think we're okay on this podcast because we just talk about stuff. So, uh, uh, But I post I a lot of panels on my Instagram account. I right, think the about Instagram it account, The Instagram account is probably, you know, illegal, technically, according to well, copyright When law. I posted clips from the movies, a couple of those got taken down, but because of the music playing in the background of the scene. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I'm in, you know, it's not that I'm totally advocating a lawless society, but when it comes to intellectual property, I'm like, hey, if your project is small and you're not really going to be making money on it or breaking even or something like that, just just go ahead and do it. And like when it gets big enough that it's a problem, cross that bridge when you come to it. Maybe you have to take it down, you know? Yeah. May, or, or maybe that maybe the company will find a way to make it work. Um, don't worry about it until you have to. Because it, it's a, um, I, I just think people are, cowed by corporations a little a little too easily again not to be like totally disrespectful to somebody's work i think you got you got to give credit absolutely and be honest about what you're doing don't don't lie about it but yeah i do this beatles podcast and people will email me pretty frequently like once a week and say hey what are the laws about playing music how did you get around it and i email back i didn't and the minute Apple Music sends me an email and says to stop, I I kind of will have to stop. <laughs> but like, there's a million Beatles podcasts, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not that big a deal. Like, I, I as long as a computer algorithm, I mean, we are talking over the song, so there, there might actually be an argument for fair use, but I certainly didn't put any work into seeing if it was legal. Yeah. I just find it funny that people really worry about that. They're just sort of like, well, what should I do if a lawyer comes after me? Well, then you'll stop. <laughs> you'll, yeah, just, you'll stop. Generally, the first thing is just cease and desist. You get a cease and desist letter, yeah. And you can just quit there and it's you'll be fine. You might even be able to push it a little bit. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, definitely this musical could just change names and things like that, but it would lose yeah. a little something. Yeah. It'd be funny if they did like, it, you know, analogs, you know, like Scorpion Man. It's it's your Aunt June. Yeah. You know. Arachnid Man. and Yeah. Um, I'd still go see it. I'd, I'd, I'd know what was going on. Yeah. I mean, if it's ever in LA, I'll let you know if I hear about it and tell you to go see it. Yeah. It was fun. Um, 
Let's get into this issue. Yeah, yeah. We've talked a lot about not this issue. Now let's talk about this issue. Yeah, so this is the Amazing Spider-Man Annual number two. Spider-Man and Doctor Strange team up. Cover yeah. is no big deal, I think, although it's a fine enough drawing of Spider-Man. But the yeah, splash nice. page, I love. The splash page is is just beautiful. I mean, this is a very awesome. Doctor Strange splash page. It's Spider-Man standing on some sort of weird orb. Lots of weird yeah. shapes flying around behind him. And Doctor Strange I mean, and some evil wizard sort of in battle. Yeah, I mean, I am already so excited if you're a fan of Ditko art, because the Ditko loves drawing Spidey doing acrobatics, you know, weird like poses and stuff. And then Doctor Strange, the Sorcerer Supreme, lets Ditko draw all these like ethereal, astral, amorphous, crazy shapes. And uh, they are already all in play in the splash page. Yeah. And I mean, Spider-Man is the one thing he doesn't get to really do any of that stuff because it's a more grounded world. Yeah. So throwing Spider-Man into this weird world is uh, a rare opportunity. And the lighting looks good, like the inks. I mean, this looks, this is just looks great. Yeah. The last issue we covered, which was uh, 28, 29? Eight, 20, 28. Uh, I had issues with a handful of the panels looked rushed and not drawn as well. No problem in this issue. This issue is beautiful from beginning to end. You, you made a theory that he might have been working on this annual, and so he skimped on the issue a little bit. I don't know if that's true, but this annual looks good for sure. Yeah, definitely. This this annual, he he rocked it out. Um, okay, so let's start the story. We begin with Spidey kind of just like swinging around. Uh, but then we sort of depart from him pretty fast. Yeah, there's no crime. Spidey is bored. Yeah, uh, although uh, beautiful uh, pictures. Beautiful pictures um, and uh, some real funny lines like, on a night like this, I feel about as useful as a secondhand tube of dinosaur repellent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love it. I love Stan's yeah. crazy style and I just think it's great. I love the idea of someone thinking that to themselves. <laughs> it's such a, well, just he's such an, I mean, I also love the line here, at least at the bright side, at least this is keeping me out of the pool room. Like <laughs> it's such a, it's such a fifties and sixties thing to talk about the pool room as like a den of inequity. You know what I mean? Like you couldn't yeah. do anything worse in in early sixties, New York than go to a pool room. Uh, but as you said, we cut away from that to this guy in an overcoat and sort of a, a an old cap. This guy's got a monocle and sort of a, a sinister he looks, mustache. He's pretty obviously evil. Yeah. Very evil looking. And he, and he uh, he's walking a, in. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. He walks into a bar where there's just a fight going on and there's these Two dumb thugs just beating the crap out of everybody. I think because somebody insulted them or something. No, I think they just said, we said we could lick any man in this place and we meant it. And so just to it. prove their strength. Yeah, we're going to beat everybody yeah. up just to prove it. You see like a little bartender hiding behind the bar in the first panel. Yeah. Uh, but it's mostly just like getting beat up and they're all like holding their heads and like this place is wrecked. It's so funny. Steve Ditko has this way of drawing like dumb muscle heads where they, as always, look like Dick Tracy villains. Their hairline is insane. Uh, they look like they're about 47 to 50 years old. <laughs> yeah. But one like of the just guys is wearing super- a Sandman t-shirt. Yeah. One of the dudes is dressed exactly like the villain, the Sandman, with the same color hair. Like he looks like the Sandman's brother. Other, basically. Yeah. And uh, I don't think we ever find out these dudes' names, so he could be the Sandman's brother. Uh, that's my pitch for another issue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Great. The connection with this guy? Yeah. That's my second season of TV. My second season of my Enforcers TV series is going to be all about this dude. Um, that's not yeah, true. So second this, series of my so, TV series is going to be about the great Gambano's acrobats. <laughs> the circus of crime. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, so, you, the, so the evil dude wants to hire these two strong thugs and they laugh at him. They don't want a job. Yeah. yeah uh, this line's very funny. Work. Hey, did you hear that awful word he used? I wonder what it means. I love it. <laughs> I don't know why these guys are turning down a free job. Yeah. 
Uh, it, but they have no choice because evil dude instantly hypnotizes them. Yeah, he reveals his name is Zandu. Uh, X-A-N-D-U. When Zandu commands, others obey. Yeah, so they instantly fall under the spell. Um, he's given them super strength somehow and the inability to feel pain so nothing stops them. So they're these two fighting machines. Yeah, I mean, it feels like he could have done this to any two people. Didn't need to take guess, two strong guys. I guess it's, well, he said he liked that they were strong and dumb. So maybe they need to be dumb to be extra susceptible to his power. Yeah, but he takes them back to his uh, wizard's lair. Yep, and we're getting pretty Ditko-y pretty early and I love it. In his lair, we already have a bunch of just like weird shapes and like smoke floating around. Let's bring it on, I say. Yeah. I mean, we're at the bottom of page three, I think. No, page yeah. four, I guess. And yeah. it's already it's already bonkers. <laughs> so the plot is revealed to us here. This with Zandu, our bad guy, yeah. he has half of an important artifact. Called the Wand uh, of Watumba. Yeah. I love, I love proper nouns in Doctor Strange comics. They are all insane. And this sort of Those, weird, um, you know, H.L. Lovecraft. Uh, wait, is am I saying his name right? H.P. Lovecraft? H.P. Lovecraft, yeah, sorry. H.P. Lovecraft sort of like ish, kind of Cthulhu-ish names, but not totally. Mixed with Stan Lee's love of alliteration, um, the Wand of Watum. And so he's half of it. And if he gets the other half, he'll be like all powerful. And yeah. so he's he needs the other half. And Doctor Strange has the other half. And so he's going to use his thugs to get the other half. And that's the story basically set up. Right. Uh, Dr. Strange, they cut the Dr. Strange who's at home reading a borscht recipe. That's so funny to me. He's because you got <laughs> Ditko, Ditko lays out the art and then Stan puts the dialogue in. But at this point, I don't think they're communicating much. Maybe, you, get, you know, Ditko gives Stanley an outline of the story or something or has notes in the margins. So uh, also there's this, a picture. This guy, Nick Caputo in the podcast said that uh, Ditko was plotting Dr. Strange issues for Spider-Man before he got more involved with Spider-Man because I think Stanley was like, I might cancel Dr. Strange. I don't have time to do Dr. Strange and Ditko sort of really started taking charge of that one first. Oh, interesting. Um, Stan might have even less connection to this title. It's very funny to picture the art without the words and then realize what words Stan chose to put because here's Strange is in his shadowy sanctum sanctorum, you know, his basically his Greenwich Village townhouse. Yes. And he's surrounded by torches and weird statues and stuff. And he's un, he's unfurled this huge scroll that he's looking at. And the dialogue is, on the surface, this is an ancient recipe for borscht. But if I read between the faded lines, I'm like, borscht? <laughs> yeah, it's such a ridiculous <laughs> and ancient recipe. It just sounds like, like a New York Jewish joke or something like that. It's like, there I was in Tibet. And I don't know what this thing is. Could be a recipe for Bush for all I know or something like that. Yeah, but it's very funny. Uh, the two thugs burst in while he's reading this borscht recipe. Yeah, uh, they're intruders. He starts to cast a spell, but he realizes they're mindless, so he can't control their minds. It's also a really cool visual when a lot of the panels of these guys, you see the eyes of Zandu floating above them. Yeah, it's fun. Them like the last panel on page five. Yes, it's very fun. Um, Strange starts, so now we get, th this whole issue is just going to be a, an array of Ditko visuals. Uh, Doctor Strange immediately creates an illusion where there's multiples of himself running around to confuse yep. them. But these guys see right through it and punch the real Doctor Strange immediately because they're seeing through Zandu's mystical eyes. Yeah, they can. So Zandu is guiding them. Uh, there's an interesting thing here, and this happens throughout the issue. I'm looking at page six, panel two, and this is the two thugs. They're punching Doctor Strange. But there's also two like ethereal specters of Doctor Strange floating, right? Well, those are the multiple images fading away. Roger that. I now realize what's going on. Sometimes yeah, was, I thought that Stan was just like ignoring stuff, but uh, no. There, I, were, I, there I, were five Doctor Strangers running around. They punched the real one, so all the other ones vanish. 
Gotcha that. Um, see, this is why people can't read these comics without us. You know what? I, I make fun of the people who get confused by old comics, but I've fallen prey to it myself. All right, so Doctor Strange is unconscious, unconscious and uh, the thugs are now instructed to start breaking everything to look for the other half of the wand of Watum, and they find it. Yeah, right away. They, like, like burst some sort of weird-looking cabinet, and inside <laughs> is the other half of the wand. Um, so things are going great, uh, and they walk out of Doctor Strange Townhouse, um, out of the roof, onto a ledge, this sort of zombie-like, yeah. but... Unfortunately for them, Spider-Man happens to be swinging directly overhead. Yeah, accompanied by a Stan Lee caption apologizing that Spider-Man hasn't been here sooner. Yeah, that caption says, And now, for those who may think we've forgotten what magazine this is supposed to be, we offer proof that we do remember, because here comes Spidey now. Now, some would say that's an unnecessary caption. Yeah. I don't think anyone's reading this comic going, they forgot to put Spider-Man in it. But I do always, I kind of love it. I, I I do think that Stan has a good sense of like segue and pace and he gets made fun of. But uh, the comics he did are some of the best comics ever. And and part of it is this knack of I need to check in with the reader here. And I, I think he's right a lot. I mean, his comics are fun. These yeah. original Marvel comics are all great. They made an empire. They built an empire on the back of Stan's words and Kirby and Ditko's art. No yep. question. And Stan yeah. Lee was a part of that. Yeah. There is no Avengers Infinity War without that caption box. Absolutely. Um, okay, so Spidey sees these two thugs. I'm mad he- that caption box wasn't in the movie. Me too. That's what I was saying. I, I want more captions in the Marvel movies. I want like a narrator, a hundred-year-old man to like <laughs> lean in from the side and be like, uh-oh, what's Captain America going to do now? <laughs> and who's that standing in the shadows? <laughs> but wait a minute. It's- did you think we forgot about Iron Man? <laughs> guy who's never seen the movie is not quite able to pronounce them. <laughs> yeah. He's just, you know, he's doing a first cold read. <laughs> and now a Black Panther roars onto the scene. He's a man? <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, great. Um, I don't want to do another take. That one was perfect. <laughs> uh, so uh, our thugs uh, run into I mean, Spidey. That caption, I mean, that guy can work for your Enforcers TV show. No oh, questions. My Enforcers TV show will have Stan Lee style all over it. There absolutely <laughs> will be a narrator and he will be involved. <laughs> now, we haven't seen Fancy Dan in a while. <laughs> Uh-oh, wonder what Fancy Dad is doing. Whoa, he's on a date. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely downloading that episode. Fancy uh, Dan so falls in love. That's going to be episode three. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be sweet. It's not going to work out, unfortunately. Uh, but they'll, they'll, they'll have a, an understanding and have a sweet reconciliation. They'll, they'll, they'll end up friends. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, Spider-Man sees these two mindless thugs on the roof of uh, Doctor Strange's house and swoops in to see what they're up to because they clearly broken into that house and are coming out of it. Yeah. Um, so he try- starts to finish him up. He's thinking this is going to be no problem because he's super strong. But these dudes are super strong and Spidey can't knock them out. Yeah, they don't feel pain. So they are uh, whooping Spider-Man's butt here. Yeah, it's a good little fight too. Um, and uh, he tries to web them, but they can just rip that web apart and they eventually do knock him out. Yeah. Uh, this guy has no interest in Spider-Man, doesn't need to unmask him, doesn't want to capture him. Spider-Man just sort of stumbled onto this. So the guys walk off. But Spider-Man kind of half wakes up and tosses one of his spider tracers at them. Yeah. So he's bugged one of the two thugs. Um, I'll say one of the rare bad panels in this, and I hate to focus on the negative, is page eight, panel four, where the Sandman looking dude is ripping the webbing apart, right? It looks yeah. a little uh, little skimpy. I think it's the best panel on the issue, but. Okay, because um, we have different opinions. Um, so the two thugs re- 
return to Xandu. They give him the other half of the Wand of Watum. He assembles it. This is kind of like Avengers Affinity War because now he seems to have like power over reality. Yeah, he immediately opens all these portals where all these like planets and tongues and things like start falling uh, out of them. I love it so much. We get into, ah, oh, it's so great. You know, Doctor Strange, the Doctor Strange movie, uh, among my friends, didn't really seem to impress anybody too much. But I, I really enjoyed it. Like, I certainly think it's a lesser Marvel movie. But I, it was a fun one. And I do think they got the visuals uh, right. And, and they were obviously very inspired by Ditko's visuals. And, uh, and I really loved seeing it. Yeah, I need to rewatch it, I guess. I didn't enjoy it when I first saw it, but I'll give it another shot at some point. You have to scan your expectations down. Like, think of it as a backup story for, for like a better Marvel movie. And it's, and it's good. It's like, it moves fast. Uh, I mean, it's a little dumb, um, but it's kind of fun and, 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 and it looks, it looks great. And Benedict Cumberbatch is a great actor and it's, you know, I mean, I know they whitewashed it. They like made all these Asian masters, the main Asian master, a white woman, but uh, she's a really good actor. And, uh, Tilda Swinton was great. And so I loved it anyway. Uh, I didn't mean to get, I'm just, I, I don't mean to be yeah. dismissive of anything in that. Yeah, I, I, get, I get what you're I saying. You're saying I, you're pro whitewashed movies. <laughs> That's the message that I got yeah. from that. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, like, I know some people didn't like it, but think about it. They took some of the Asians out. <laughs> Will Hines, Dr. Strange. That'll be the pull quote for this episode. <laughs> wow, this podcast suddenly gets millions of downloads. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the alt-right become real big fans of, screw it, we're just going to talk about Spider-Man. Jordan Peterson's up in Toronto being like, I'll tell you who's not scared to say it like it is. Screw it, we're not going to, we're just going to talk about Spider-Man. Joe Rogan has us on. We're like, we shouldn't be here. <laughs> we don't agree with anything you're saying. <laughs> we, we're, you're misunderstanding us. We made it, we just said Doctor Strange isn't terrible. <laughs> Um, Karate Kid recast Mr. Miyagi with Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> I bet Will Hines will like this. <laughs> this the uh, producers. Um, okay, so we see this dude with his wand of Watum, and he immediately starts going nuts with his power. He can open up like a little portal and see Doctor Strange unconscious. And yeah, he sort of he opens a portal to Doctor Strange and then like breaks Doctor Strange's statue. It's just sort of a jerk move. Yeah, he can, he's just toying with him because I guess he could probably kill him right now, but he's just sort of messing around. And before he can do anything too destructive, Spidey interferes. Yeah, because Spider-Man tracked his spider tracker here. So uh, he wanders in to see what's going on and he realizes it's magical. And he goes, I should have guessed that some such power was behind the two who fought me. I mean, that's a good guess. I would never have figured that out. Good guess. Um, well, you have to assume that all these Marvel characters are reading all the other Marvel comics, so they know what's yeah, available. Universe. So they have a quick little fight here. The dude is trying to shoot bolts at him and beams, but uh, Spidey's yeah. too fast. Spider-Man covers his face in webbing. That's pretty funny. Yep. Um, and, and then uh, the guy opens a portal and sucks Spider-Man into it. Yeah, which is it's a very cool-looking thing. It's just like a hole in the air, and Spidey is falling into, like, nothingness. And he makes a real heads-up move. He knows he's going to get sucked in. He can't stop it, so he grabs the wand and brings it with him. Yeah, he uses his webbing to thwip the uh, wand of Watum into his hole, though they don't use that sound effect. They missed a chance. No. Um, and it's great. And like Spider-Man's in there and, uh, he doesn't say it right away, but a few panels later, he says like, now that I have this wand, I know this guy's going to come looking for me. That's how I'll get out of here. Yeah. And there's a great uh, panel at the bottom of page 12 of Spidey just trapped in this like dimension of like a nexus of worlds, basically. There's just, just all this crazy stuff floating around him, like planets and a tentacle and, and yeah. energy and beams. It's, a weird, and, it's a weird mix of like curved shapes next to like very angular shapes. Uh, I, I, there's no way to describe this panel. 
in a podcast. Sp- Spidey is backlit, like he's sort of illuminated from behind him. So he's kind of got a, a white glow around him, which is really cool looking. I mean, it there's looks like a, great. Ditko is like great. Planet, there's like a planet uh, floating in water. Like there's a Saturn-like <laughs> planet that's sort of sinking into a lake. It's very fun. I feel like you see this type of thing. I see this thing uh, from Jack Kirby a lot when like the Fantastic Four goes in the negative zone. But Ditko's version of this is sort of more fluid and flowy. Uh, but yeah, Spider-Man's fighting this. And then those two thugs kind of walk out of nowhere and also really cool uh, image on the top of page 13 yeah, they to just fight the, him to try to get the wand back. Yeah, Spidey's right. Uh, Zandu has sent these guys after him. So they get into like a little fist fight in this like dimension land and that's really... Yeah, Meanwhile, everyone, everyone who gets punched is like falling into some weird shape. Yeah, punched through an orb or into some liquid that's just floating there or through a beam of light. Yeah, uh, but there's another person we haven't checked in on in a while, Will. Dr. Strange, meanwhile, in his mystic retreat in Greenwich Village, Dr. Strange finally recovers consciousness. <laughs> uh, yep, yeah. Dr. Strange wakes up, <laughs> sees that his wand has been stolen, yeah. and starts using his mystical powers to track it. He's got his amulet, which lets him see things. He's got his cloak of levitation that lets him fly. Yeah, and, and so he, he's, he's on the hunt. Yeah, he's sailing, ab- he's, he starts floating above New York City with his amulet, searching for where these guys went. Man, I love pictures of Doctor Strange flying above New York. I mean, it'd be terrifying. Oh, yeah. I would, you know, he'd be shot. Like, uh, like these these superheroes just floating around with these weird shapes and stuff would be just the most terrifying stuff. Uh, we cut back to Spider-Man who's still fighting these thugs uh, through the weird shapes. Uh, they're starting to gain on him. Uh, Zandu is happy to see it. But before Zandu can witness... What looks like is going to be Spider-Man's defeat, Doctor Strange descends upon him. Yeah. You you found me, but how, Zandu asked. And the answer, many are the powers of the master of the mystic arts. It's not really an answer, but. <laughs> not really an answer. But uh, yeah, you know, he's just saying, look, I'm a good dude and that's the way it goes. Uh, so they start like shooting beams at each other. Yeah, cool beam fight. I love it. Uh, and a lot of Ditko bolts and, and smoke and energy things. Yeah, and Strange is winning. Um, yeah, because this dude doesn't have his wand. Yeah, Strange is uh, taking him down, and at that moment, the thugs bring Spider-Man back. Yep, and Spidey and Spidey thinks in his head, "I had to let them get me in order for them to bring me back, but now I've got to find a way to escape anew." Uh, and Sp- and Doctor Strange is startled by the portal opening up with two thugs fighting with Spider-Man. He didn't know any of that was going on, and yep. uh, Zandu thinks, "Perfect." Strange is momentarily startled. I must move quickly while I can, and he. Gr- Grabs the wand out of Spidey's grip. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's going to give make him more powerful than uh, Doctor Strange. Yeah, now he is the all-powerful wizard. And Strange knows it. So yeah. he's got enough power to hold him off a little bit. But time is uh, limited before uh, Zandu beats him. Yeah, so Doctor Strange runs away. He's a coward. He's a coward. And that's the end of the story. And what we've learned in this issue is that Doctor Strange is a coward and should be banned. And replaced with... <laughs> Channing Tatum. <laughs> okay, interesting, interesting. I mean, yeah, it's just a different white guy in this case, but... Yeah. Um, no, he runs away and he leaves his body to float in the air as his ghost form. Uh, Dr. Strange will do this a lot. There's there's certain, like, magic and abilities he can only do in ghost form, so he's abandoning his body, like, all the time, from what I remember. Yeah, he likes to be in his astral form, where he's basically a ghost that can just walk around. He can spy on things, and I think also there's some magic he has access to when he gets out of his body. Yeah. Um, um, so he floats in ghost form back to the wizard so he won't be attacked. Meanwhile, Spidey is trying to hold off these two thugs 
and he's having trouble and Strange in his ghost form gives Spidey some advice. Yeah, he tells him to take like this electrical cable and like electrocute these guys, which shocks them out of their hypnosis. So they regain their uh, facilities and lose their powers. Yeah, they're back to being just normal guys who like to beat up everybody in a bar. Yeah, those are guys Spider-Man could handle. Yeah, now he, he could finish him with one punch. But uh, he doesn't need to. They're exhausted. They're 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 basically out of the picture. But yeah, they, they say down. they sit down to rest. <laughs> yeah. Um. And Doctor Strange's ghost tells Spidey uh, that what he just did was the only way to release them from Xandu's spell. They will not trouble you again. Uh, I like that Stanley is telling us readers these guys are out of the story now. Don't worry about them. Yeah. Uh. And then uh, Spider Man goes to fight Xandu, and Doctor Strange goes back to his body. So now we're gonna get Spidey and Strange teaming up on Xandu. Yep. Uh, and Xandu, immediately, he's getting zapped with lasers and shot with webbing balls. And he thinks to himself, my power is the greatest. And yet, I am confused. Between Spider-Man's web and the spells of Doctor Strange, I do not know, I do not know where to turn first. So he doesn't know who yeah, to he, defeat first, and that maybe is going to spell his undoing. Yeah, he can't. Uh, he can't focus on enough things. There, you know, Spidey's throwing webs at him and jumping around, and Strange is doing his weird electrical bolts and spells, and it's basically just overwhelming this dude. His wand doesn't make him any better at multitasking. Yeah, I mean, this guy has a powerful weapon, but he's not. Uh, he's not good at using it. You know, back in my computer programming days, we talked about operating systems. That were either single-threaded or multi-threaded. Uh, Unix was multi-threaded, and the original Windows operating system from Microsoft was single-threaded. Uh, Windows could only really do one thing at a time. It just did it very fast, where Unix could truly do more than one thing at once. This comic is a metaphor for the Windows operating system. This uh, made this podcast so much more popular. <laughs> comparing it to operating systems and their uh, and how threaded they are. <laughs> well, I have another metaphor. Maybe it's an argument for self-driving cars. You know, like the weak link in an otherwise perfect setup is the human brain. If we so just could remove Google, that. If a Google car got its hands on the wand of a tomb. It would be unbeatable. All right. Interesting. Yep. That's what Steve Ditko was saying in 1965. I mean, I don't doubt it. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So, so Dr. Strange sort of snares his wrist in a spell and Spider-Man webs his hands. And so he drops the wand. And uh, which makes him powerless. Strange instantly can, um, you know, Spidey... Spidey's, since he's webbed his hands, Strange can finish him off. And they yeah. got him. Yeah. Doctor Strange removes all the power from the Wanda tomb, so now it no longer has any power. That's a cool thing to do. Um, yeah, just like, that's, he just, I guess he was holding onto it out of respect for it or something like that, but he realizes no more. And then we yeah. do a little quick look into the bad dude's brain to see his story. Yeah, very quickly we find out how he learned about the wand and why he decided to do it. And then Dr. Strange erases that memory. Yeah, he's really appointing himself judge, jury, and executioner. Um, I'm a little surprised that... Uh, um, Ayn Randian Steve Ditko doesn't have him bring him to the cops, but uh, I guess for an annual, we can bend the rules. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, Spider-Man even is a little spooked by it. He says to himself, uh, after what I've seen, I sure wouldn't want you for an enemy. And now, you know, the issue's over. And this last panel, I, I love, I, I'm going to make too big a deal about it, but I love the dialogue here so much. Yes. Um, you've said this line to me numerous times. Ha have I really? Oh, that's definitely, good. Definitely a few times. <laughs> so Dr. Strange flies away and says, may the Vashanti watch over thee. And Spidey goes, and may your amulet never tickle. <laughs> and uh, I think that's a really funny thing to say. And I've definitely said it a bunch to people. Yeah. May your amulet never tickle. I love saying it. Yeah, he's trying to match the, grav uh, <laughs> the gravitas of Doctor Strange, but with the uh, silliness of Spider-Man. I do want to say, like, that is a pretty good demonstration of what Stanley brings to this book. Like, you're like, well, if all he did was write the speech balloons, what is he really adding? 
He's adding character. He's adding personality. Yeah. You know, strange, yeah, strange is- talks in this sort of like uh, grandiose over the top seriousness and Spider-Man doesn't. And that's not nothing. Spidey's fun. I mean, like he's, he's our guy. Um, and then the, and his closing thought in his speech bloom. The only thing wrong with this evening is when I wake up tomorrow morning, I won't believe a word of it. And it's a great capper. And I, and I, I really like this. You're right. There's no Peter Parker. So there's no real emotional undercurrent here, but for just like a fight fest, this is a fun issue. I mean, if this went into a 12 page story about J Jonah Jameson, uh, reorganizing the daily bugle offices, it'd be a real big story. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then there's a reprint of Spider-Man number one, uh, after that where they've actually, and, uh, the second part of that is the one I think where they called him Peter Palmer by accident. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm not 100% and, sure if that's true, but it's been fixed in this reprint. Okay. Uh, that's good. Uh, then there's some uh, pinups of some of his greatest villains that were not pinups in the first annual, like the Circus of Crime. <laughs> yeah, it shows, we haven't added a lot of great villains since that last one. Uh, the Scorpion, the Beetle, Jonah's Robot, <laughs> which will someday be called the Spider Slayer, the Crime Master. Uh, and then there's a reprint of Doctor Doom versus Spider-Man. Uh, and then that's it. That's the issue. Um, yeah, it's funny looking at the reprints here to see how how Ditko's art has evolved. Like it was, it looked a little bit more intricate in the old issues. It's sort of more kind of open and less detailed now, but it looks more powerful now. He's getting more fluid. It looks like in the, you know, in the current issues compared to these ones that are being reprinted. Uh, yeah, definitely. It's a little, it's a little cleaner. Um, it's still amazing. There's something about the rawness of those first few issues that really stands out to me. Yeah. Um, uh, he's good. Steve Ditko's good. That's my conclusion. Uh, let's give our awards. Yeah, let's do it. Um, uh, first thing is, uh, let's do Stan Lee dialogue first, since I know what yours is. Yeah, my Stan Lee dialogue is, and may your amulet never tickle. And that's probably the best line in the whole thing. Um, but I uh, I will pick, I think I'll just pick the line I said earlier, which was, um, what was it, like the first page. Um, On a night like this, I feel about as useful as a secondhand tube of dinosaur repellent. Uh, that stood a, out to me when I first read it. It's a so great one. That is a great Stanley one. Um, uh, what what panel do you pick, Will? Okay, I'm picking page 18, panel five, and it's where Spidey and Strange have fully teamed up to fight Xandu and fun one. Oh, that's interesting. I thought you were going to pick that first splash page of Spidey and the uh, Weird World. That probably is a more beautiful art piece, but there's such it's such an emotional rush to me when I get to this point in the story that it it boosts the panel's importance up a little. So that's my pick. I'm going to pick panel two on page 13 where Spider-Man is standing on some sort of ball in the uh, oh, yeah. mystical world he's yeah. in and he's punching a guy through a smoke ball and there's all these like writhing tubes behind him. There's good motion in that. Yeah. I mean, that all four of those panels I really like. I'm picking that one sort of arbitrarily. I mean... Uh, my two runners up would be page 12, panel three, when Spidey first goes into like weird dimension land. I mean, that is great. Or the splash page, which is just so beautiful. I mean, I wish I had that as a poster. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. uh, what's your highlight? Uh, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll pick the easy. Well, all right. Uh, I'm going to say, um, I mean, besides the fact that it, we're just teaming these guys up. I'm going to say my highlight is Stan's jokes. I think his jokes are really funny in this issue. The recipe for borscht, may your amulet never tickle. It just, <laughs> it's it, very funny. It's just a legit funny issue and I love it. So I'm going to say Stan's, Stan, not just his jokes, but his his sense of fun. Um, okay. I'm going to pick Spider-Man taking the wand with him into the portal. I think it was a really fun, smart yeah. move by Spidey. Um, and rereading it, uh, I reread it last night and I was like, oh, that's I was genuinely impressed. I'm like, smart move. Like, you're dead if you otherwise. So grabbing um, the wand and pulling it into the portal, very smart, Spider-Man. Um, what's your low light? Uh, 
I think my low light is no supporting cast. Sure. That's such a hallmark of the um, Bitco era to not yeah. have Jonah or Flash or Aunt May yeah. or Betty, just not any of them. It right. feels like you're missing. Something. Yeah, I agree. Um, my low light will be that one of the thugs looks just like a dumber version of the Sandman. <laughs> yeah, I think that's also fair. I mean, I also think we both agree that neither of those low lights hurt the issue that much. Nah, it's a it's a totally good issue. Um, all right, so should we go on to uh, recommendations or uh, yeah, let's do it. Mail, you want to do recommendation? What what do you got? You've been reading more than um, I think. My recommendation, and I tweeted this, and I think you saw this. Uh, I'm going to recommend the Jessica Jones comic that Kelly Thompson just started writing. Uh, Jessica Jones is a character that is now a Netflix show. Um, that I I like the idea of this character, but I've never really loved the comic. It's written by Brian Michael Bendis, um, a super popular writer who. I like okay, but I've never I never totally get love his books. I like the ideas of his books, but I never quite get uh, sucked into them as much as I want to. And Jessica Jones is basically a private detective who has superpowers, but sort of doesn't want to use them as just a private detective who kind of gets involved in like super crime. Okay, right, um, yeah. And so like her cases generally involve like superheroes or supervillains of some sort or some way. And she's just a, a otherwise a noirish Chandler like private dick. Okay. Uh, and and Brian Michael Bendis no longer works for Marvel. He's left. He's working for DC Comics now. He's doing Superman. Wow. It's a huge seismic change. Um, and it's very interesting. It's uh, also like he's been at Marvel so long now that I'm yeah. excited to read his DC stuff because I think it'll be it'll feel fresh and different. Yeah. Uh, but nobody else has ever written Jessica Jones. Oh, that's interesting. And so they handed it to Kelly Thompson, who wrote the all new Hawkeye series that Alex Fernie recommended on a previous podcast. Right. And that I also loved. And I think you've now have you read that yet? Yes, I love it. It's great. Uh, and so she's writing the new Jessica Jones comic and Jessica Jones made a cameo in Hawkeye. And the first issue just came out. And it's also an interesting publishing model. This comic is digital only, mm. comes out once a month. It's a double issue. So it's $5 for like 40 pages. Wow. And after the third issue, they'll take a break. They'll release the trade in print. And then they'll do another digital three issue series. Oh, that's very interesting. So it's not being released as floppy papers. It's just being released in, in collected editions and digitally. And I got the first issue and it's great. Oh, sounds I mean, fun. Kelly Thompson is great. I haven't read any. I read she did a rogue gambit series. I don't care about either of these characters, but I read it because she was writing it. And I was curious what I think. And I loved it. Kelly Thompson just she's nailing it for me right now. Everything she's doing, I'm loving. That's so cool. Um, uh, and Jessica Jones. If she won all that's come out so far is issue one. But I think it's going to be great. Uh, I love it. Um, okay. My recommendation as always is less informed. I read far fewer comics than my brother. Yeah. So his picks are better than mine, but I'm going to recommend Beetle Bailey's uh, <laughs> Sunday Beetle comic for no, this week. Weekday only Beetle Bailey last Tuesday. That's my recommendation. He really sticks it to Sarge. <laughs> no. Um, what's the name of like the blonde girl in that, in that thing where she's like the sexy receptionist the secretary. I don't know. Maybe it's got the word honey in it. I bet. Uh, I don't remember. Might be honey. And then like killer is the dude whose hat is always wiggling when he's turned on or whatever. Yeah. He's got like a little mustache, I think, or something. Yeah. Yeah. He's the player. Um, and, and, um, the, the dog's name is Otto, I believe. That's right. Or just a dog who dresses like a man. <laughs> yeah. And everyone's cool with it. Um, I, uh, my real recommendation is going to be, uh, Hellboy and the BPRD. Okay. So to our next episode, we're going to have, there's this other podcast, uh, on our same network called Ah Crap, uh, a Hellboy podcast. Uh, and it's where the, uh, Mark David Christensen and Kate Thompson are going over, um, every issue of Hellboy. And we're both, yes. you and I are both Hellboy fans. And I think That's right. everybody should be Hellboy fans. Hellboy is a no brainer, great comic book. Uh, but there's been tons of comics in the Hellboy universe 
Yeah, so many now. So many, it's crazy. So I'm recommending a little subset of them, which is Hellboy and the BPRD, and it's like prequel Hellboy. It's like young Hellboy, basically. Yeah, it takes place before the or the majority of the first series of Hellboy. Yeah. There's a little flashback to Hellboy's origin, but otherwise it's a, it takes place before that. It's kind of like... he's sort of like... Yeah. Because Hellboy was adopted by... The army. Um, by the army and by a scientist when he was like a baby. And this is him as sort of a young adult helping out the... A paranormal division. Yeah. Um, and one of the great things about Hellboy is that he is a demon transported from hell yeah. by mistake to Earth, raised on Earth by the Americans. And he is a cigar smoking, true blue, old school, tough talking American guy who just like wants to beat the bad guys and doesn't want to think too much about it. And yeah. he finds out that there's this whole infernal legacy that he's supposed to bring about the end of times, but he basically doesn't care and just likes his job on Earth. Yeah. That's the fun of him. But these stories take place before he knew anything about his hell legacy. And he's just like a big tough guy who's got horns that he has to shave down. Yeah, he just knows he's this demon that somehow accidentally ended up on Earth and like this is sort of what he does. Yeah, and he's not that introspective and it's part of the fun of uh, him. He doesn't know that he is, he doesn't know that he is fated to destroy the world. Yeah. Um, and so this is sort of like or lead the armies of the damned or something. I don't, I, yeah, don't I, I lost track, but, uh, you know, these are fun, episodic adventures. Um, and I recommend it. And I'm sure on our next episode, our, our guest will talk more specifically about Hellboy stuff they like, but that's, I've been reading it lately and I, and I, I listened to their podcast and I was like, Oh, I got to read some Hellboy. So I've dug through a bunch of Hellboy stuff recently. Are they going in order or are they just, is it sort of, they're going in order, random stuff. They're going in order. That's a, that's a, a lot of stuff. Um, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah. I, I don't know how far they're going to go. But um, we'll find out tomorrow. Um, we're way behind on mail. Should we just do a we'll couple? Pick a couple. Yeah. This. Oh, so our email is screwitspidey at gmail.com. Uh, just because we're behind doesn't mean you shouldn't write us. Yeah. I started responding to people because I now realize, like, if I don't email them back sometimes, um, they might never hear from me. Right. Um, cause it, you know, who knows when we'll get to all these emails. Uh, this one is from Summer Hall. She's another person that wrote in on your request for female <laughs> oh, great. fans. Great. <laughs> uh, she's a huge fan of the podcast, oh. 21. Um, and, uh, she talks about, she wanted to prove you wrong that there are females listening. <laughs> I wrote her back to let her know she is the third, I appreciate it. but still, that's a very strong placing. Yeah. Uh, at, you know, Three's very high. Chronologically getting it. You, you, you get on the um, awards podium at the Olympics if you're third. Yeah. Um, she didn't, she's been listening since the beginning. She just didn't email us cause she didn't think she had an interesting question, mm-hmm. but, uh, you got her to email. Oh, great. Well, good job. All right. <laughs> cool. Um, she, she reads Spider-Man comics while at work when she's bored, uh, uh when it's slow, I guess right. is what she talks about. Nice. And, um, and she was curious who's, who's our least favorite of the popular villains basically. So, okay. Right, right, right. So of the, of the, you know, I guess that would take out like the tinker yeah. and things like that. Right, right, right. The the obvious clunkers we got to yeah, take out. That's her question. Uh, that's a that's a very fun question. I guess I'm gonna say I think you'll disagree with me on this, Kevin. But I think that um, Mysterio is the one that always was the lamest to me. It, it basically was like the longest walk to make him threaten. Mm-hmm. Um, although the, you know, I, if the movie makes him great, I'm sure I could change my opinion. But that that'd be my answer right now. Yeah, uh, I mean that's a good answer because the other ones. I mean, it's not Doc Ock, it's not Vulture, it's not Green Goblin, it's not Sandman. Those guys are yeah. all great. Um, Craven, mm-hmm. I mean, he works. He shouldn't, but he does. Cra- Craven was going to be my answer because he's so ridiculous, but the 80s stories made him so cool that it kind of bumped him up in my brain. I, mean, I also think that first Craven story is legitimately great. Yeah. Um, and I think Mysterio's first story isn't that great, but his second story is really good. I mean, I don't know. Does the yeah. Scorpion count as a major villain? I thought about that. He'd be my pick if he counts, but I, if he, he counts, maybe doesn't count. He counts. He's my, he's my least favorite. 
of the good villain. He's still yeah. around. How about the lizard? How about the lizard? You can say the lizard. Oh, yeah. The lizard would definitely be a big one. So would Electro, I would say. Yeah. Um, I mean, Electro probably, he's got, he's got a great power set. Yeah. There's not much story to that guy. It can't be the lizard because yeah. Kurt Connors alone makes that character interesting. He's such a dramatic story. Yeah. It, it gets repeated so much that it loses some... Uh, strength that like how many times can this guy yeah. turn into a lizard but that, you know <laughs> you, you feel for the guy who's he doesn't want to be a villain Electro's just yeah. sort of a thug who shoots yeah. electricity his costume only works when Ditko really draws it otherwise it looks sort of stupid yeah um, his power set is great I mean electricity is a great very threatening villain yeah um, so I'm going to say Electro. Okay. Mysterio and Electro are our picks. Yeah. Good question. And that was from Summer Hall. Thank you, Summer. Uh, let's do another one. Let's see. Um, uh, I'm trying to pick one. I didn't pre-pick these. Um, this. Uh, uh, Anthony Wilkie. Okay. Um, so he asked if his brother could be on our podcast. So, uh, he and his brother are both fans of our podcast. I told him no, his brother <laughs> could not be on our podcast. Sorry, uh, Anthony. Um, but uh, thank you for being yeah. interested. Uh, he asked, uh, where is this question? If any Marvel hero or villain took over the mantle of Spider-Man, I'm not quite sure what that means. Who would you like to see, to see be successful at it? Who would mm-hmm. like Spider-Man is dead. Someone else needs to take over for him. Who, who do yeah. you see doing? I'm going to, interpret that as like which of the human beings would get Spidey's powers oh, through okay, some great. weird way. So like, you know, like, do I want Tony Stark to be Spider-Man, which I don't, but like, you know, that that's the question we're being okay. asked. I yes. think I know my answer. Uh, what is it? Johnny Storm. Oh, that was going to be my answer. Uh, was it really? Because yeah, I think like he, he would, I think he would respect it and he'd be like, I got to do a it good job. It would also be at fun this. to see sort of a, uh, theoretically a lunkhead, you know, not a, a non-scientist have to take down like Spider-Man science-based villains. Yeah. I mean, it'd be, you know, we've seen the nerd be Spider-Man. What happens when the most popular kid in school becomes Yeah, I think Spider-Man. that'd be the great choice. Um, does he leave the FF to do that? Yeah, he does. Uh, who does the worst job at it? He asks who would fail at it um that's fun the guy who would be worst it'd have to be just some like self-centered prick uh it would be fun to see someone be bad at it like um and then make them that would make them respect spider-man like i don't think this would be the case but like if captain america tried to do it and i couldn't handle those villains yeah like, oh, you know what uh these, these villains are tougher than i i uh thought i guess i know who'd be funniest and that'd be J. jonah jameson <laughs> <laughs> if he had to take over. Yeah. I mean, if teenage Flash Thompson had to do it, it would also be pretty funny. Yeah, that'd be pretty fun. Um, or what if Liz Allen did it? I mean, uh, here's the thing. I'd love to see Betty Brant do it and do it well. Yeah. Yeah. Or really Mary Jane. Yeah. We haven't met her yet. Yeah. I'm, st- I'm staying um, okay, in the my, my, world. Okay. So my, I'm going to say Johnny Storm would be the best and J. Jonah Jameson would be the worst. Oh, here's who should take over and be funny at being bad at it. Fancy Dan. Oh, right. <laughs> I mean, no Guess what, guys? I got Spider-Man's powers. Yeah. yeah. He'd be, uh, uh, yeah. He's got the judo background, so he's good fighter. But okay, he just, I'll change my answer to Ox. <laughs> I mean, or Montana. They'd all be great. Last time, but Ox people is so have. huge, like swinging around, and that you know, Fancy like, Dan is so little. <laughs> It'd be real funny. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be the enforcers. That's the answer. I, the, I forgot. The enforcers are always the answer to every hypothetical yeah, question. Question we get asked. We have to at least consider the enforcers <laughs> before we move on to any other answer. Um, That's anyway, fine. thanks for writing, questions. Anthony. Sorry we couldn't help your brother out. Um, I think his brother's getting thanks married. Or uh, Anthony's getting married. He wanted to give it as a gift to his brother as like a wedding gift. Oh, that's it. That's a compliment to us that you consider that yeah, a good yeah. gift. Uh, and I said no. So And we said no because we're ungracious jerks. That's right. That's right. Uh, we definitely have more emails. I'll get to it soon. I also had somebody on Instagram ask me an interesting question about uh, what I would recommend uh, for a kid, like a five yeah. to read. Um, and I didn't What's have a good answer, answer for this person. Um, uh, uh 
basically I have a two-year-old and all I understand now is two-year-olds. I don't know what's a, yeah. what's okay for a five-year-old. I don't know what a five-year-old could handle both a sense of like violence, even comic book violence, as well as like just could they follow what's going on? I just have no concept. Um, yeah. But I also think there isn't really good stuff. Marvel has a bad habit of not keeping stuff uh, like evergreen trade paperbacks. Like DC does a really good job of like you can always get Watchmen. You can always get Batman Year One. There's certain books that will always be available. Mm-hmm. Sandman. You're always going to be able to buy a Sandman. And Marvel doesn't do that as well. Hmm. And there are great all ages stories that have been made for Spider-Man, but unless they're coming out right now, you can't get them. Right. Uh, the most recent one. Peter Porker, the spectacular Spider-Ham. I, mean, uh, I know you're making a joke, but even that, you can't get that right now. It's not collected. Um, they recently kind of meant it. I, I did think that was sort of be fun for a kid. Yeah, but it's not It's not like that's. there's an easy collection of that. Like it might come out. There might have been one in the last handful of years that came out as a collection, but it'll be yeah. sold and then they won't print anymore often. Um, I bet you could still get Spidey by Robbie Thompson. It was a 12-issue series that he did that was sort of an untold tales-ish Spider-Man series. Um, it was only 12 issues, so it's like two collections. But even that, if you don't get it soon, I bet it will sell out. And then, you know, they're not going to keep it on shelves forever. They used to do these great Marvel adventure books called Marvel Adventures. There'd be Marvel Adventures Spider-Man, Marvel Adventures Hulk, Marvel Adventures Fantastic Four, and The Avengers. And some yeah. of those Spider-Man books were really good. I still have them, but those aren't collected anywhere. I really think there is a market for for Marvel to have just like a couple trades of just all ages Spider-Man, the best of their all ages stories, because they're generally self-contained. Um, and they could just have a collection of that that could just always be handed to any kid who's just learned about Spider-Man for the first time. Uh, but they don't. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's this is my tirade to Marvel. Fix it. <laughs> uh, but, but also, fun maybe question. these old comics would be good for a kid. I don't know. Yeah. Be too wordy. Yeah. But I, mean, but I don't know. I was in, I was intrigued just by the look of him, and I would just look at pictures of him long before I knew what was going on. I so. don't know how old I was when I when I started reading these. What were you? Probably like you, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, yeah. third grade. Where were you when you got these? Oh, uh, these the digests. I think like fifth grade. So you would have been kindergarten. So I would have been six. Seven. Yeah. So not Six, that seven. much older. Yeah. And I like them pretty quick. Yeah. I mean, partially probably because my older brother was reading them, but probably also like the bright colored and they're yeah. fun. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it's just these stories. Yeah. We don't get know. Him a, get him as a kid before you know what other comics read like. <laughs> yeah. But I don't have an answer for that. Anyway, that's our reader mail, but definitely send us more mail at screwitspidey at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at screwitspidey as well as on Twitter at screwitspidey where I post uh, images from the comics we talk about. These hypothetical questions are really fun. If you have hypothetical questions for us, I really like these challenges. So if you don't know what to write, but you want to write something, think of some like kind of like fan fiction-y thing for us. Like, you know, a, you know, what would we do if this happened or who would we pick to do this in the stories? I mean, I think Spider-Man has had people take over for him probably in stories. I think like the Prowler has done it a couple times. Mm-hmm. He was like a little known uh, uh, for like a little known to mainstream America comic book character. Um, uh, I don't know who else has done it. Um, yeah, but I think it's probably half. I mean, he's been around 60 years now, 50 years. People have taken over. Spider-Man has vanished here and there. Um, yes. Yeah, so send us, a, uh, send us some uh, correspondence. And um, I guess that's it for this episode, right, Kev? Yeah, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening, everyone, and keep listening. And come back next episode. We're going to talk about issue 29. And Scorpion's back, and we have some guests from the uh, Hellboy podcast. Yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, all right, goodbye, everybody. Screw it, screw it. We're just going to talk about Spider-Man. 
Hey, this is Betsy Stover. And I'm Amanda Allen. And we do a podcast called Why Mommy Drinks. Each episode, we have a guest and we all share a story of a time that our kids drove us to drink. Parenting isn't easy, but it sure can be funny. Listen to us on Campfire Media. Why Mommy Drinks. Campfire. <laughs>